Chapter 35 of Struggles and Triumphs, or Forty Years' Recollections of P.T. Barnum, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Struggles and Triumphs of P.T. Barnum, Chapter 35, East Bridgeport, Part 1. For nearly five years my family had been knocked about, the sport of adverse fortune, without a settled home. Sometimes we boarded, and at other times we lived in a small hired house. Two of my daughters were married, and my youngest daughter, Pauline, was away at boarding school. The health of my wife was much impaired, and she especially needed a fixed residence, which she could call home. Accordingly, in 1860, I built a pleasant house adjoining that of my daughter Caroline in Bridgeport and 100 rods west of the grounds of Iranistan. I had originally a tract of 12 acres, but half of it had been devoted to my daughter, and on the other half I now proposed to establish my own residence. To prepare the site, it was necessary to cart in several thousands of loads of dirt to fill up the hollow and to make the broad, beautiful lawn in the center of which i erected the new house and after supplying the place with fountains shrubbery statuary and all that could adorn it i named my new home lindencroft it was in truth a very delightful place complete and convenient in all respects and there is scarcely a more beautiful residence in bridgeport now meanwhile my pet city east bridgeport was progressing with giant strides. The Wheeler and Wilson sewing machine manufactory had been quadrupled in size and employed about a thousand workmen. Numerous other large factories had been built, and scores of first-class houses were erected besides many neat but smaller and cheaper houses for laborers and mechanics. That piece of property which, but eight years before, had been farmland, with scarcely six houses upon the whole tract, was now a beautiful new city, teeming with busy life and looking as neat as a new pen. The greatest pleasure which I then took, or even now take, was in driving through those busy streets, admiring the beautiful houses and substantial factories, with their thousands of prosperous workmen, and reflecting that I had, in so great measure, been the means of adding all this life, bustle, and wealth to the city of Bridgeport and reflection on this subject only confirmed in my mind the great doctrine of compensations. How plain was it in my case that an apparent evil was a blessing in disguise! How palpable was it now that, had it not been for the clock failure, this prosperity could not have existed here! An old citizen of Bridgeport used to say to me, when, a few years before, he had noticed my zeal in trying to build up the east side, Mr. Barnum, your contemplated new city is like a fire made with chestnut wood. It burns so long as you keep blowing it, and when you stop, it goes out. I like, nowadays, to laugh at him about his chestnut wood fire. Of course, I did blow the fire in all possible ways, but the result proved that the wood which fed the fire was not chestnut, but the best and soundest old hickory. The situation was everything that could be desired, 
and I knew that in order to induce manufacturers to establish their business in the new city, a prime requisite was the advantage I could offer to employers, agents, and workmen to secure good and cheap homes in the vicinity of their place of labor. To show the method I adopted to secure this end, I copy from the files of the Bridgeport Standard, an offer which I made, and the editorial comment thereon. This offer, I may add, was not so much for the purpose of blowing the fire, which was already fairly roaring with a lively blaze, as for the sake of helping those who were willing to help themselves, and, at the same time, contribute to my happiness, as well as their own, by forwarding the growth of the new city. New Houses in East Bridgeport Every man to own the house he lives in there is a demand at the present moment for two hundred more dwelling-houses in East Bridgeport. It is evident that if the money expended in rent can be paid towards the purchase of a house and lot, the person so paying will in a few years own the house he lives in, instead of always remaining a tenant. In view of this fact, I propose to loan money at six percent to any number not exceeding fifty, industrious, temperate, and respectable individuals, who desire to build their own houses. They may engage their own builders and build according to any reasonable plan, which I may approve, or I will have it done for them at the lowest possible rate, without a farthing profit to myself or agent, I putting the lot at a fair price and advancing 80% of the entire cost, the other party to furnish 20% in labor, material or money, and they may pay me in small sums weekly, monthly or quarterly any amount not less than three per cent per quarter all of which is to apply on the money advanced until it is paid it has been ascertained that by purchasing building materials for cash and in large quantities nice dwellings painted and furnished with green blinds can be erected at a cost of fifteen hundred dollars or eighteen hundred dollars for house lot fences etc all complete and if six or eight friends prefer to join in erecting a neat block of houses with verandas in front, the average cost need not exceed about $1,300 per house and lot. If, however, some parties would prefer a single or double house that would cost $2,500 to $3,000, I shall be glad to meet their views. P.T. Barnum, February 16, 1864 the editor of the standard printed the following upon my announcement an advantageous offer we have read with great pleasure mr barnum's advertisement offering assistance to any number of persons not exceeding fifty in the erection of dwelling houses this plan combines all the advantages and none of the objections of building associations any individual who can furnish in cash labor or material one-fifth only of the amount requisite for the erection of a dwelling house can receive the other four-fifths from mr barnum rent his house and by merely paying what may be considered as only a fair rent for a few years find himself at last the owner and all further payments cease in the meantime he can be making such inexpensive improvements in his property as would greatly improve its market value and besides have the advantage of any rise in the value of real estate. It is not often that such a generous offer is made to working men. It is a loan on what would be generally considered inadequate security at 6%, at a time when a much better use of money can be made 
by any capitalist it is therefore generous mr barnum may make money by the operation very well perhaps he will but if he does it will be by making others richer not poorer by helping those who need assistance not by hindering them and we can only wish that every rich man would follow such a noble example and thus without injury to themselves give a helping hand to those who need it success to the enterprise we hope that fifty men will be found before the week ends each of whom desires in such a manner to obtain a roof which he can call his own quite a number of men at once availed themselves of my offer and eventually succeeded in paying for their homes without much effort i am sorry to add that rent is still paid month after month by many men who would long ago have owned neat homesteads free from all encumbrances if they had accepted my proposals and had signed and kept the temperance pledge and given up the use of tobacco the money they have since expended for whiskey and tobacco would have given them a house of their own if the money had been devoted to that object and their positions socially and morally would have been far better than they are to-day how many infatuated men there are in all parts of the country who could now be independent and even owners of their own carriages but for their slavery to these miserable habits i built a number of houses to let in order to accommodate those who were unable to buy i find this the most unpleasant part of my connection with the new city the interest on the investment the taxes repairs wear and tear and insurance render tenant houses the most unprofitable property to own besides which the landlord is often looked upon by the tenants as an overbearing grasping man and one whose property it is their highest duty to injure as much as possible for all concerned therefore it is much better that every person should somehow manage to own the roof he sleeps under men are more independent and feel happier who live in their own houses they keep the premises in neater order and they make better citizens hence i always encourage poor people to become householders if possible for i find that oftentimes when they have lived long in one of my houses they think it very hard if the property is not given to them they argue that the landlord is rich and would never feel the loss of one little place not stopping to consider that the aggregate of a great many little places thus given away would make the landlord poor nor would the tenants be benefited so much by homes that were given to them as they would by homes that were the fruits of their own industry and economy the land in east bridgeport was originally purchased by me at from fifty dollars to seventy five dollars and from those sums to three hundred dollars per acre and the average cost of all i bought on that side of the river was two hundred dollars per acre some portions of this land are now assessed in the bridgeport tax list at from three thousand dollars to four thousand dollars per acre at the time i joined mr noble in this enterprise the site we purchased was not a part of the city of bridgeport it is now however a most important section of the city and the three bridges connecting the two banks of the river and originally chartered as toll bridges have been bought by the city and thrown open as free highway to the public a horse railroad in which i took one-tenth part of the stock connects the two portions of the city extending westerly beyond iranistan and lindencroft while a branch road runs to the beautiful seaside park on the sound shore 
the eastern line of east bridgeport when i first purchased so large a portion of the property was bounded by a long narrow swale or valley of salt meadow through which a small stream passed and which was flooded with salt water at every tide at considerable expense i erected a dam at the foot of this meadow and thus converted this heretofore filthy repulsive mosquito inhabited and malaria breeding marsh into a charming sheet of water which is now known as pembroke lake if this improvement had not been made in all probability the eastern portion of my property would never have been devoted to dwelling houses as it is barnum street has been extended by means of a bridge across the lake and the eastern shore is already studded with houses the land on that side of the lake lies in the town of stratford and the growth of the new settlement promises to be as rapid as that of east bridgeport general noble in laying out the first portion of our new city named several streets after members of his own family and also of mine hence we have a noble street and a noble street it is a barnum street while other streets are named william from mr noble harriet the christian name of mrs noble Haylet, the maiden name of my wife and carolyn helen and pauline the names of my three daughters there is also the barnum school district and schoolhouse so that it seems as if for a few scores of years at least posterity would know who were the founders of the new flourishing and beautiful city we have yet another enduring and ever-growing monument in the many thousands of trees which we set out and which now line and gratefully shade the streets of east bridgeport figures can scarcely give an appreciable idea of the rapid growth and material prosperity of this important portion of the city of bridgeport but the city records show that my first purchase of land on that side of the river was appraised in the bridgeport assessment list in october eighteen fifty one at thirty six thousand dollars while in july eighteen fifty nine the same real estate with improvements less the washington park the public school lot in barnum district the land for streets at four church lots was valued in the city assessment list at one million two hundred thousand dollars when we bought the property there were but six old farmhouses on the entire tract when the center bridge was built and opened now there are on the same land hundreds of dwelling houses some of them as fine as any in the state three handsome churches methodist episcopal and congregational front on the beautiful washington park of seven acres which mr noble and myself presented to the city and which would be worth one hundred thousand dollars today for building lots this pleasant park is enclosed by a substantial iron fence and contains a fine natural grove of full-grown trees while the surrounding streets are lined with charming residences and on one or more evenings in the week during the summer the city band or the wheeler and wilson band plays in the park for the amusement and benefit of the citizens of east bridgeport some of the largest and most prosperous manufactories in the united states are located in the new city among these are the wheeler and wilson sewing machine manufactories which cover four entire squares with fireproof buildings are rapidly extending and employ more than one thousand operators the howe sewing machine factory is also an immense edifice employing nearly the same number of men schuler hartley 
Graham, and Company's great cartridge and ammunition works, almost supplied the armies of the world with the means of destruction. Besides these, the Winchester Arms Manufactory for making the 20-shooter breech-loader, a large brass manufactory, an immense hat manufactory, and Hodgkin's Sons and Company's hardware manufactory are among the more prominent establishments and other and like concerns are constantly adding. Indeed, at this time, 1869, one-fourth of the population and three-fourths of the manufacturing capital and business of Bridgeport are located on the east side within limits which, in 1850, contained only six old farmhouses. The following details respecting the business of some of the largest establishments will give an idea of the manufacturing industries of East Bridgeport. The Wheeler and Wilson Manufacturing Company employ more than $4 million in their business. Their employees number 1,000, and they manufacture an average of 300 sewing machines per day. The total number of machines manufactured up to July 1, 1869, is over 400,000, and the factories cover six and one-half acres of ground. The Union Metallic Cartridge Company, Messrs. Schuler, Hartley, Graham, and Company, have a capital of $350,000, employ 250 men, and manufacture cartridges and primers of Burden's patent military and sporting caps, and elastic gun waddings at the rate of 1 million cartridges, 720,000 primers, and 720,000 caps per week, and to July 1, 1869, they have manufactured 50 million cartridges. The Bridgeport Brass Company employ 200 men, have a capital of $150,000, and manufacture rolled brass wire and tubing, kerosene burners, lamp goods, corset steels, oil cans, etc., and roll and use in these goods 1 million pounds of brass a year. The Winchester Arms Company have a capital of $450,000, employ 300 men, and manufacture the Winchester rifle, cartridges, and ammunition. The Howe Machine Company have a capital of $300,000, employ 500 men, and manufacture sewing machines at the rate of 150 per day. Messrs. Hotchkiss and Sons, with a capital of $162,500, and 125 men manufacture hardware, curry combs, game traps, and harness snaps to the amount of $20,000 per month. The Bridgeport Manufacturing Company, with 50 men and a capital of $300,000, manufacture the American Submerged Pump. The Odorless Rubber Company, with 50 men and $200,000 capital, manufacture soft rubber goods, hose, clothing, etc. The American Silver Steel Company manufactures steel from the Mine Hill, Roxbury, Connecticut, Spathic ore, and employ 250 men and a capital of $500,000. Messrs. Glover, Sanford, and Sons employ 250 men and manufacture 250 dozen wool hats per day. The New York Tap and Dye Company with a capital of $150,000 and 100 men, manufacture taps, dyes, drills, bits, etc. These companies thus employ about six and one-half millions in capital, 
and nearly twenty seven hundred men and expend more than two million dollars a year in wages to the operatives in addition there are several substantial brick blocks devoted to business there are bookstores drug stores dry goods stores jewelry stores boot and shoe shops and stores tailoring and furnishing establishments more than twenty grocery stores six meat markets three fish markets coal wood lumber and brick yards steam flouring mills and a large brick hotel the water and gas supplies are the same as those afforded on the other side of the river it is quite within the bounds of probability that in the course of twenty years the east side will contain the larger proportion of the inhabitants a post office and a railway station will soon be built on that side of the river a new iron bridge is about to connect the two parts of the city affording additional facilities for intercommunication in eighteen sixty eight march two a special committee of the common council reported the census of the city of bridgeport as follows first ward seven thousand three hundred and ninety seven second ward four thousand two hundred and thirty seven third ward east bridgeport five thousand four hundred and ninety seven total seventeen thousand one hundred and thirty one in this enumeration our new city contained nearly one-third of the entire population and its increase since has been far more rapid than that of any other part of bridgeport the entire city of bridgeport is advancing in population and prosperity with a rapidity far beyond that of any other city in connecticut and everything indicates that it will soon take its proper position as the second if not the first city in the state its situation as the terminus of the naugatuck and the housatonic railways its accessibility to new york with its two daily steamboats to and from the metropolis and its dozen daily trains of the new york and boston and shoreline railways are all elements of prosperity which are rapidly telling in favor of this busy beautiful and charming city end of chapter thirty five recording by nancy cochran gergen Gilbert, Arizona.